0: Well, hey there, you amazing, amazing human. Welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I am your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent four and five figure months and then onto six and seven plus figure years without burning out in the process. Today, you are in for a treat, my friends, because an old friend of mine is joining us on the podcast today to talk about truly losing yourself to find yourself, the power of healing. It's a deep conversation, a needed conversation. We explore trauma. And I just have to just say this, I want to stop you right there. If you happen to be thinking you don't have trauma, because I'm here to tell you, we all have trauma. It just shows up differently for each of us. And the more you learn about your trauma and work through this trauma and really get to that inner work, the better off you're going to be for your family, your community, your clients, yourself, you get the point. We also talk on the podcast today about different types of trauma, why people are afraid to explore their trauma, self-sabotaging behaviors we see in people who still have unresolved trauma, and how to start the healing process. It is truly an amazing podcast episode. But before we get started on this awesome podcast episode, I just wanted to let you know that this episode is sponsored by My Profit Pillars Kickstart, gaining momentum with a 90-day sprint. This is a brand new coaching program for women in business who want to go from stuck and unmotivated and lost to developing a fast laser-focused strategy, giving you the clarity, tools, and community you need to achieve both short and long-term results. Inside of the 90-day sprint, you're going to gain potentially an increase in revenue, clarity and strategic direction, boosting momentum, understanding specifically what to focus on on your individual business to move you forward, a stronger mindset, new networks, increasing your confidence, and a 100 other amazing things. Included inside of the Profit Pillars Kickstart 90-day sprint, you're going to get a one 30-minute strategy session with me. Three monthly live group coaching, um, goal setting sessions, three monthly live group workshops with guest experts, three monthly live mindset sessions. Uh, you're going to get fortnightly live hot seat calls, three monthly co working group sessions, 90 days access to my profit pillars vault with over 40 plus business trainings, and 90 days access to a private Facebook community. Again, ladies, this is epic. And for simply $15 a day, I don't know why you wouldn't be running to send me a DM over on Instagram or sending me an email at info at AngelaHenderson.com.au so that I can sign you up and we can get started. I only take on five new members every single month because it is so important to me that you have the opportunity to ease in and get that individual tailored attention that you need to move your business forward. Now, let's get into this amazing, amazing episode. Hey, 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 welcome to the show, Andrea. Hey, okay, and how are you? Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to be here. And we probably should have pressed record. This happens so often when I'm catching up with amazing humans that I've been in masterminds with or other programs with. We talk for 20 or 30 minutes before we hit record. And there's always gold that the audience could have listened to. But we are here going to still provide equal amounts of gold. And I'm just so thrilled to be reconnected and having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. When When you reached out to me, I was just like... What's me on her. P- I am so there. I told my sister, I was like, you need to follow up with her like now. Cause <laughs> you were just, I mean, listen, your energy, you're just a bundle of joy, but also your wealth about the, t- your wealth of knowledge and what we're going to talk about today is next level. And we will get into the trauma side, but I always like to ask my audience guests a fun question just so that they get to know you a little bit more. So my question to you today is, I follow you obviously on Facebook. We're friends and you always a sudden I'll be scrolling. I'll be like, oh my goodness, look at Andrea. She's done it again. She's got the most, you've got the most amazing hair. You have all these cool different hairstyles. So I'd like to know, what is your all-time favorite hairstyle that you just are like, I'm going into the salon and this moment's coming out looking hot as shit?
1: Good question. It's so funny because I've probably had almost every hairstyle you could think of and I've worn every hair color. I started coloring my hair in like, I think either eighth grade or like freshman year in high school. But you know what? Honestly, my all-time favorite hairstyle is when I wear it naturally. However, humidity and 4C natural Black girl hair, it don't work too well. So I like to go with uh, protective hairstyles. And actually the current hairstyle that I have now, which is, I think they're called like Distress Locks. Mm-hmm. is actually my current favorite hairstyle.
0: <laughs> and how long does it take to get this amazing hairstyle done? This took, we started at like
1: 10 and we got done at like one thirty. So that's what, three, three and a half hours? Three and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. Three and a half hours. But here's the thing though, it will last for like three months.
0: Okay. Yep. So, so a little bit of- amazing front end. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) A time committed, but then again, you can just roll out of bed, throw it up and you're good to go.
1: Good to go. Good to go. So this will probably last me like the whole summer. Like I won't have to do anything. I mean, I'll wash it, but like the maintenance is is just the washing. And in the summertime you let it air dry. So, So it's good. I don't mind the three and a half hours up front for three months of like low
0: maintenance. Hell yes. I'm with you sister. All about time, right? Time is our most precious commodity that we have. So I'm all about savoring it any way we can. But listen, for those of you tuning in today, Andrea, they might not know who you are or what you do. Can you share with us a little bit about where did you start in your either corporate day job and what are you up to today? Uh, first of all, if you don't know me, shame on you. I'm, I'm so kidding. It,
1: I'm so kidding. I'm not that arrogant, just a little bit arrogant, but not that arrogant.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, anyway,
1: I am a certified trauma sensitive coach and I work with high achieving men and women and just really help them to heal from, um, the things that have hurt them in the past. Um, trauma. I know a lot of people don't identify with that, but I only label it as trauma if they do. I normally just say things that hurt them in the past, mm-hmm. but I'm not afraid to say, look, we can heal the trauma. Um, mm-hmm. So I started doing this work after having a successful corporate career. I have my MBA, which is master's of business administration. Um, and I climbed the corporate ladder successfully in accounting and finance And then in 2019, I decided, you know what, this just doesn't light my fire. Uh, So I decided to retire. I actually wrote my um, letter of resignation at the retreat in March of 2019, where I met you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So I wrote the resignation letter. I didn't turn it in until a week later because I was just kind of like, am I doing this? Um, so turned it in the following week. And then June of 2019, walked away from corporate, uh, and I've been doing this full time, uh, for the almost three years, June of, will be, will be three years that I've been, um, doing this full time. And, you know, and I'm now currently working on my PhD in developmental psychology. So talk about a full, like full life loan. change, career change.
0: <laughs> yeah, But so but for, that's kind of where I am now for you though. Like. When you were sitting there at, that ma- uh, at our mastermind in California, what was the moment for you that you're like, you know, I've, I have to take responsibility for my life. And if I want things to change, I'm going to have to do things that might feel hard, but we can all get through hard things. Like, what was that aha moment where you're like, you know what, the resignation's coming? Uh, you know, that's actually a really good question because
1: I actually knew that I was going to be leaving corporate in April of 2019, because I remember praying and meditating one day and I was like, all right, I need some guidance. I need some direction. God help me. What, what should be my next step? And I heard, felt, whatever word you want to use this, like, it was like at this time next year. And I was like, whoa, cause I wasn't even ready to like leave corporate. Cause I was like still making a good money. It was still easy having fun with it. And I was like this time next year, that's weird. Right? So I wrote that in my journal, you know, kept living life. And then as time, as time approached, like in February of 2019, I was meditating and it was like, you need to leave. And so I went upstairs to my husband and I was like, babe, I think I'm going to be leaving corporate, like really soon. I don't know when, but I just, this feeling it, like it's, it's so overwhelming. And he was like, okay, babe, I trust you. You know, you're, you've, you've made wise. This is your whole life. And so again, this was in February and then when I went to the retreat in um, in March of 2019, like, just to see all of y'all standing around, like, owning your space and your entrepreneurship, and I was like, wow, like, I can really, like, I feel this. And then I remember talking to y'all, um, you know, how the, the first night we were all just sitting around outside talking, and Gwen was actually like, well, you should write your, um, you know, just draft up your, just draft the letter and, and see what happens when you get back to the, your room. And so I was like, oh, that's not a bad idea. And so I was sitting there in the room after we had gathered and I typed up the letter and and I sat with it and it was scary, um, but it felt right. You know what I mean? You know how like, because the big decisions, and I think this confuses a lot of people, but the big decisions Are always scary. They they just always are, and they can simultaneously feel good in your body. The energy surrounding it can feel good, and I think some people get that confused because they're like, "Oh, it feels so good, but it's scary." It's like that's okay. It should be because it's like a huge decision. Like I make a lot of money, and I'm gonna like walk away from it. So it felt scary, but it felt good, and I sat with it. Um, And then the next day, the next two or three days, however long the retreat was to just like be in that energy and again, to just see y'all own it. And like, you know, like you and Lindsay and just Susie, like everybody and Jennifer so graciously sharing your experiences of what entrepreneurship was like. And you weren't all just talking about the the great things. You were like being honest and and authentic. And I was like, wow, I'd like, I I really think I can do this. And so when I got back home, I, I sat with it for a week and I was, I told my husband, I was like, I'm doing it tomorrow, and he was like, "Okay, and there we go. Just no, answer yeah. your
0: question one hundred percent, but it's like again though that scary feeling I mean, we get it right. But it's like, we can keep going down the same pathway, the same pathway that leads to misery, which potentially leads to a formal diagnosis, right? Which could lead to so many horrific things, or we choose the new path that is going to feel scary and slightly hard. But again, I do believe we can all do hard things, right? Yes, Yes. we can. And speaking of harder things, we're going to get into talking about trauma, because I do believe that the more inner work that entrepreneurs and women in business do, the more opportunity you have for success, whatever that looks like for the individual. So trauma, it is a powerful topic, super powerful, something that I feel we've talked a little bit about on the podcast, but not a whole lot. So I'm excited to dedicate this entire, this particular episode to trauma. I also feel this topic is that we are slowly talking about it more in society, but I still feel Mm. not as much. I still feel similar to when I talk about mental health, because I'm a huge advocate for mental health. There's almost like this stigma attached still to this trauma. Um, And so I'm excited because I know you live, breathe, potentially even dream this topic. So my first question, just so that everyone's on the same page for today's purposes, how are we defining trauma? So I like to define
1: trauma as any event that becomes emotionally, excuse me, physically, you know, mentally overwhelming and taps out all of our resources. Mm -hmm. So said another way, it's any experience that we have that becomes too overwhelming for us And we don't have the capacity to, to deal with it in the moment. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. So what I'm hearing you say is that it could be anything. It doesn't have to be major events because there'll be people listening, going, "Mm, I'm just going to tune out of this podcast episode. It's not relevant to me. You know, I haven't had anything overwhelming. You know, I live in the white picket fence. My parents stayed happily married. There is no drugs or alcohol, sexual abuse, physical abuse, like, I lived a pretty great life. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, Ange, on Andrea, right? Like, yep. would you say we all have these events happen at some stage in our life? Like, have you ever met someone who's been completely trauma-free? No, well, I have not. I, I fundamentally believe that all of us have
1: experienced trauma. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I believe that we've all experienced trauma is because trauma is not just interpersonal. Trauma Mm -hmm. is also collective, which means that there could be a collective trauma. Hello, COVID-19, that Mm -hmm. is a collective trauma. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are very few people who can say that, no, I don't know anyone who's ever had COVID or died from COVID. That may be true. So they can say, well, I'm not traumatized because I didn't personally experience it. However, there is the collective trauma, meaning everyone in the world was, has been, is impacted by trauma. So there's the interpersonal means that there's something that happened to me. Then there's the collective where it's it's societal, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it happened to A majority of the people in a culture or in a society. And then there's also the intergenerational trauma. And this is the unresolved trauma of our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents, the unresolved trauma of our ancestors that have gotten passed on to us. So, do I personally believe that everyone has experienced trauma? Yes. Does everyone identify with having
0: had a traumatic experience? No. And why do you think people? Well, we'll save that for a second. We'll save that one for a second. Now, I'll go on to the intergenerational trauma. I, I have talked about this a few times. And one of my main reasons why I'm in business and I do what I do every day, Andrea, is because of breaking wealth patterns in our family. But more importantly, the transgenerational one that I believe is around the females in our family. So my grandmother stopped talking to her mother my mother stopped talking to my grandmother. I don't speak to my mother. Right. So when I found out that I was having a girl, uh, well, I'll back up. I remember doing my master's degree in social work and we had to choose something in our family and how we would address it. And that was the topic I talked about. But I said, if I ever find out that I'm having a baby girl, I'll be in therapy from day one. And so my professor kicked back to me and he said, Angela, He's like, the reality of it is, is you will work 100,000 times harder on a daughter relationship than you will a male relationship, like a son relationship, because of the trauma that has been passed on from the females. And so, you know, what was so funny, and I believe it was so weird. I thought I was already having a girl, and then I was walking down the street um before the skin so it would have been maybe week 12 week 13 uh that i was pregnant with my daughter and that professor walked past me on the street now i hadn't seen paul since when i said goodbye to him at my master's so it was years probably 10 11 years and i stopped and he we both kind of like rewind. And he's like, Angela, Paul. And I'm like, Hey, how are you? He's like, good. How are you? And I went home and I was like, it's definitely a girl. It was almost like the universe was reminding me of that nudge that I talked about so often and what I would need to do to break this pattern. So that's why I show up in my business every single day is to be able to have space and money to to continue to work on that inner work, because that relationship with my daughter is one of the most important things in my life. So is that what else would you say about intergener- uh, like intergenerational? Yeah, that, you know what? That is actually an excellent
1: example of intergenerational trauma. Another type of intergenerational trauma um, that a lot of people experience has to do with, um, and, and obviously I'm not going to go into detail, but a lot of um, sexual violations, mm-hmm. those things like the unresolved, like if something happens to the mother, Mm-hmm. and she carries that with her the likelihood of her daughter experiencing that is extremely high mm-hmm. and studies have shown that even mothers who are um vigilant right it happened to them so i'm going to be vigilant so that it doesn't happen to my daughter
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's a greater risk of it happening to the daughter of a mother who's vigilant than a mother who is kind of laissez faire like whatever you know whatever will be will be mm-hmm. um so that's another type of like Uh, unresolved uh, trauma. Also, when we think about um, the impact of the Holocaust, when we think of the impact of slavery, right, Mm -hmm. when we think of the impact of um, internment camps, all of this, and not only in in the case of like the Holocaust and slavery and internment camps, Mm -hmm. not only is that intergenerational trauma, but that's also historical trauma, right? And so, because here's the thing about trauma. Um, trauma changes the brain. Mm -hmm. Right. And so now we get to um, it changes the development that happens. It changes the socioeconomic economic development. It changes the cognitive development. It changes the physical development. And so once you have that change in the brain, then you're at an increased risk of experiencing interpersonal trauma. So let's say you have someone who has this unresolved trauma. Um, and, and that gets passed on to their child. So because the trauma has impacted them, the child is not going to develop at the same rates that let's say another kid who's mother or father, right? We're we're talking about the mother because the child is is in the womb, but it also passes through the father. Um But so this this child is stunted developmentally Mm -hmm. when it's when a person is stunted developmentally, then that increases their chances of experiencing interpersonal trauma. So if they're a little slower than other kindergartners and the other kindergartners tease them because kids are kids. Right. Mm -hmm. That now this child is experiencing their own trauma of being bullied or being harassed. Right. And so then they grow up with that. And it carries on. And because nobody recognizes it uh, or calls it out as a traumatic experience, then this child lives their whole life being traumatized and every decision that they make is through the lens of trauma. And guess what? That child becomes an adult. And guess what? That child realizes that, oh, my gosh, I have these terrible relationships with with guys who have red hair. Right. And they're like, but I don't know why nobody in my family has red hair. And then they sit down for a therapy session and they realize the person that bullied them the most had red hair. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's how these things show up in our adult lives, but we don't classify them as traumatic because trauma is seen as something weak. And, you know, we don't want to deal with it because it's not socially acceptable. It's more acceptable to be angry about something and act out on anger than it is to cry and say, oh my gosh, I'm
0: experiencing a trauma response. Mm -hmm. And I think you bring up something too, like again, about just trauma is that again, I think society has minimized the different levels of trauma. So unless it's horrific, right? Yep. My dad died again, horrific abuse in whatever form, do you know what I mean? Then it's minimized. And yep. so if it's minimized, you know, I just feel like it keeps getting suppressed, 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 right? The bullying is a, yeah. is a prime example is, you know, and just loss, because I think if we go back about, let's talk a little bit about grief too. Wherever there is loss, there is grief. Yes, that might be traumatic for some people. So the example that I'll use is, is people as parents is Johnny might not have made the basketball team. To us parents, it's just like, it's all right, Johnny, put your head up, you're good. But to Johnny, that's a massive loss, right? That event that we're talking about, because he now worries about things there's now uh, potentially bullying at school or just words at school are passing like oh johnny you don't make it next time mate and his friends might talk about it so there can also be grief like what are your thoughts about that oh my gosh i mean i, I agree with you like 100% like
1: any time there's a loss if you lose your your favorite basketball there's going to be grief associated but parents don't allow their children to experience that Because no one allowed the parents to experience it, right? Mm -hmm. And guess what? Their parents' parents didn't allow them to experience it. So that, in effect, is still that unresolved trauma being passed down. And that's how we have this. That's what intergenerational trauma is, the lack of being able to express themselves in the moment. Why? Well, my dad didn't let me do it. We didn't talk about our feelings. So, you know, we're not going to do it in my house. And my dad's dad did. And granddad, I never knew about him. And right all of these things are being passed down from one generation to the next until someone comes along who they may call the black sheep of the family and say, I don't know what y'all doing, but I'm gonna talk about how I feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then they break that cycle. And while they may not necessarily break the cycle within their you know, siblings, mother and father, but going forward right mm-hmm. in their family. They break that cycle that way. And so, yes, grief, anytime there's loss, I don't care how small it is, there there's going to be grief. And another thing I want to mention, because you t- bring up, because you talked about this minimizing and labeling our trauma. Today, we do this thing um, and we we separate our trauma uh, b- with big T trauma and little t trauma, right? And so we when we do that, we say like the big T trauma is the death. Right. It's it's the 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 natural disasters, the tsunamis and and the rapes and, you know, tragic car accident. That's the big T trauma. And then we look at it and we say, well, then there's the little T trauma. There's there's divorce. Right. There is um, now we're starting to say that that bullying is is a little T trauma, although some people are a bit skeptical, you know, even though we know that the impact is extremely traumatic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what happens when we do that with big T trauma and little t trauma, we minimize everything else that's in this bucket of little t trauma. But here's the thing, our brains respond the same way when we are dealt with any experience that's overwhelming to us. So while someone may experience a death their brain is going to, to, um, you know, go, they're going to go into survival mode. But guess what? A person who is being bullied, they're also going to go into survival mode. Mm -hmm. The brain does not distinguish between, oh, this is a big T trauma. So we got to respond this way. We got to fight, fight, you know, fight, fight, or freeze, you -hmm. know, Uh, or this is a little T trauma. I'm being bullied right now. It's too overwhelming to me. I can't handle it. We're going to go into fight, fight, or flee or freeze so it's important for us not to so i don't tell people you know hey don't minimize don't say your trauma is big t or little t trauma you you use whatever language feels safe for you however it's dangerous when we label our trauma as big t and little t trauma because we minimize what happens over here uh, and 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 when we minimize that we don't heal that Right. And so we get into this place where, well, I had, you know, great parents and my dad worked and we went on family vacations. And and yeah, so what my dad was, you know, uh, emotionally unavailable and my mom was, you know, verbally abusive. But so what they were in the house and we were okay, and we we made it and we survived. Right. But it's like, but what happened to you Mm -hmm. because your dad was emotionally unavailable? You're probably attracting emotionally unavailable people to you and you don't realize that it stems from your father. Mm-hmm. Or your mother who's emotionally unavailable, right? Mm-hmm. But that's how this thing works. That's how trauma works. So we can't minimize the impact, right, that, that it has. Or, or call it big T trauma, call it little t trauma, but don't minimize the impact that it's had on your life. And I think,
0: you know, under... Just, I think just this conversation today and just people allowing themselves to sit and reflect, I think will be a game changer for some people, those that choose to, right? And those who feel safe to be able to do that, because once you have an awareness to it, magic can start to happen, right? And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But yes, I just think this is a powerful conversation. And to understand that any loss, any grief, I mean, you look at the long-term trauma that I believe we're going to see experience through individuals, through children uh, because of COVID through adults, because of COVID like, you know, it's, it's going to be here for years. And I don't think yeah. society and countries have put mechanisms in place for people to deal with the, as you talked about the collective trauma we've had through COVID you still have some kids who are not even getting back to school yet or can only go to school for a couple hours, and the parents have to come and get them because of anxiety around COVID still, right? Yes, we in Australia, I can't speak about America. But in Australia, you cannot get in to see a psychologist, a psychiatrist, developmental ped. At this stage, most wait periods are 18 to 24 months. So then you've got cumulative trauma, which I what I mean by that is like, now you've got someone who is saying, I've got trauma, something's going on here, but now yep. I've got to wait two years to deal with it. Yep. the so more trauma is going to, whatever that looks like for them is going to compile. Yes. So by the time they do see someone, it's like, well, where do we even begin? Right? Yes. As they've got to then prioritize and figure it out. And so I just think it's important that, again, I hope that when if people are listening to this and seeing this, that. Uh, they, the, that if, when we get to the healing part of what you can do, that you start to take action, whatever action yes. that looks like for you, because it just, it's kind of like the analogy I use in my clients is like, when most clients come to me for consulting, I use the, the picture of a rubbish bin. If your rubbish bin is full, things are going to start overflowing. Whether or not it's a trauma specialist, like yourself, Andrea, or whether or not it's a consultant is it's allowing yourself to take some of that rubbish out from the to, from the trash can, is what you would say over in America, rubbish bin here in Australia, and allow yourself to be freer. It's not mean everything's yeah. going to be a why, but there's a few bits and bobs out of that bin that is now going to free you up yeah. just to be you and to step into that new you. So the sooner yeah. you can get on top of it, the better. But before we go yeah. into really specifics about healing, I'd like to know, though, for those people that are out there going... Wow, this is a bit of an eye opener. Okay, I probably do have some unresolved, do you know what I mean? Unhealed trauma. Many Mm -hmm. people, though, are afraid to Mm -hmm. look at their trauma because they make it. They may think it makes them a bad person or an unworthy person of healing. What are your thoughts for those people who are like, yeah, a little bit afraid to really look at the trauma? Oh man, I can
1: empathize and sympathize with that because if if it were easy for, for us to look at our trauma, then everybody would be doing it. You know, it's like that thing. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. And, and, and this is true in the case of dealing with our trauma, right? Because the reason why we develop the, some of the behaviors that we do is because we need to survive. And and that's just flat out. And when we, when we experience, um, a traumatic event, again, we, we go into survival mode. And the problem is, if we never get the help that we need, we stay in that zone. And then we mm-hmm. learn how to function on top of that, right. And so a lot of people have identified with their trauma at an unconscious level, meaning that it has become a part of their identity. And mm-hmm. so they don't necessarily know what they would do like with with without this piece, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like, well, you know, I may have, you know, I'm listening to this and I may have experienced some trauma, but I'm doing well, right? I'm, I'm doing fine. Cause again, my clients are high achievers, they're very successful. So they're doing well, right? Mm-hmm. But they keep repeating the same patterns, right? Mm-hmm. Or they get to a certain point and they begin to self-sabotage and they don't understand. It's like, I was on this, you know, 200 day streak and I was getting up every day and I was running every day. And then one day I was just like, I just didn't. And then I couldn't get back into the groove. But then, you know, three months later, I got back into the groove and I said, so they keep repeating these same patterns. And when they get to a certain point, they begin to self-sabotage because it's Mm -hmm. like, oh wait, it becomes overwhelming, right? And Mm -hmm. so when we do start to, um, look at our own trauma, it's important that we do it. We have a support system in, in place. And so I can definitely respect, appreciate why someone would be afraid to, you know, go down that path of healing, of healing near trauma, because um, most people feel like, oh my gosh, it's too overwhelming and it's going it, to, it may make things worse. And the truth is that it it may feel like a lot in the beginning, but once you see the trauma for what it is, then you can begin to look at yourself and see you see yourself for who you are mm-hmm. and, and recognize that I'll give this, this example of myself. So when I was younger, um, I used to always scratch my brothers and sisters. Like I would just like literally scratch and pinch them like, and they would, they would like bleed. I mean, and and I remember doing this and all my life, Ange, I thought that I did this because the core part of me is just hard and cold and, you know, just mean, right? Mm -hmm. There's a part of me that I'm just mean, because why would I do that to my brothers and my sisters, you know, And, and thank God for, you know, getting a PhD in developmental psychology and working with the therapist, I realized that I didn't do those things to them because at my core, I was mean and cold hearted. I did those things because I was craving the attention of my mother who had five kids from the age of 20 to 25. She actually had six and she lost a son, you know, her fifth son uh, through we back then we called it crib death, but now it's called SID, sudden infant death. That's that's syndrome. You know, she had all of these kids and she couldn't devote her attention to me, but I'm a kid. I don't know that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I need to get her attention some kind of way. So when I pinch them or scratch them, what does it do? It gets her attention. And guess what? Then I get the attention uh, attention from her. So, again, All these years, I thought there was a part of me that said, Andrea, you are just cold hearted because you did that to your brothers and sisters. But when I sat with that and understood that the reason why I did that is, is I felt a lot as a kid, I felt alone. I felt lonely. I didn't, I didn't feel loved. Like, like, like I need, like I had anybody to support me because my mother had her other kids to take care of. My father was doing whatever, even though they were married, he was still, he was absent right? But looking at that head on, facing it, Mm -hmm. crying over it, you know, I realized that, no, I'm not a good person. I I just wanted love. And at that moment, that was the only way I knew how to, because I equated the attention with love, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm a kid. What do I know? That was the only way I knew how to feel loved is when she paid attention to me. So if you are listening and you think that you know, you don't want to deal with it because it, it may make it worse or it's not mm-hmm. worth it or whatever. I promise you that you may cry a few tears and that's okay. But at the end of the day, you will, you will see yourself differently and you will know yourself
0: better. Mm-hmm. I say preach that one. And I would say for those who are going well, Andrea, you've given us an example of that. But other examples where this might be showing up in someone's life could be things like diet to lose weight only to gain it back. You try to leave a toxic relationship only to go back. You begin a meditation or spiritual practice only for it to not stick. You decide to quit something, but you can't you attempt to get better at time management only to be worse off than before, right? And so these are some of the ways that these things can show up in our life. Now, you also Mm -hmm. mentioned about um, self-sabotage, right? And Mm -hmm. so even when things are going well, for some of us in the online space, or whoever's listening to this, predominantly, the women in business, we can still engage in self-sabotaging behaviors. And these behaviors are Sometimes, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrea. A sign that again, there's yes. probably some unresolved trauma that's going on. Do you want to share what some of those self-sabotaging, self-sabotaging behaviors might look like?
1: Yeah. So um, if we go to like, let's say the the, um, the the whole diet thing, right? We're we're get we're we're waking up, we're getting in shape, running, we're eating right, and then all of a sudden, right? Because that's usually how it happens. No one plans on like going back to eating poorly. All of a sudden we find ourselves, you know, eating all of the ice cream, eating all of the cookies, eating all of the, the whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we we go back to doing those things is because we are as, as human beings, we are social creatures. That's just that. I mean, we are created to socialize, to be in relationships um, with other people. That's why those who are sick, the ones who have solid relationships usually heal quicker, faster, and become healthier when they have solid relationships because we're social beings. Mm -hmm. The thing that draws us to people, places, and things is familiarity, right? Mm -hmm. The things that are familiar to us. And Mm -hmm. so if we grow up in a home where we've used food, as comfort because of like for myself, I was sexually molested as a little girl amongst other things. And so I turned to food as that thing that would, that would come for me and developed a compulsive eating disorder and a food addiction, you know, and, and all of those things. And so what happens is that if I'm eating right, I'm doing all the things and I'm triggered and I'm not aware of what my triggers are right? Then I'm going to automatically go to what is comforting to me Mm -hmm. and that's food. And it doesn't matter that I've, I've eaten healthy for two, three, four years. If the thing that drove me to, to use food as, as comfort, if that's not resolved and I'm triggered by whatever, something that happens in my environment, right? Whatever stimuli that is, My default is going to be for comfort. That comfort is going to be for food, right? Mm -hmm. And then not even knowing it, we've just sabotaged all of the effort that we've put into living this healthy life. And now to be clear, if you have one day of bad eating, like, you know, you're not going to gain five, 10 pounds, right? That's not what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. But what usually happens when we have this unresolved trauma is that it's not just one day. And then mm-hmm. we look at it and say, oh, well, man, I messed up with this meal. So I may as well, you know, whatever. No point in getting back on the tra- on the what do they call it? On the horse or the yeah. t- whatever, the pony, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. that saying is. <laughs> you know, like no point in getting back on because I've already messed up. And that's usually the attitude of people who have experienced trauma. It's usually and an all or nothing attitude. It's mm-hmm. it's either it's 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 a black or white attitude, right? It's mm-hmm oh man, I'm doing really good. I'm going to be obsessive with doing this good thing. And then if we fall off, it's like, oh man, I'm doing bad. So now I might as well stick, continue doing
0: like this bad thing here. Mm -hmm. And I like what you talked about there is it's normally, gosh, what did you just say a minute ago? That was really good. It's like the unresolved trauma. um, Oh, I'm going to have to play it back later, but it was something along the lines, like it keeps the pattern, like you're all or nothing. Right or it keeps presenting. And I think that's important because it's not just like you had one bad day of eating and you're just rock on. It's like that constant, you know, so when you think about self-sabotaging behaviors, like procrastination, right? It poor time management, not taking responsibility, overanalyzing, right? Harsh, harsh, you know, self-criticism. Those are probably things that aren't just like one-off things, right it's like they're coming back to it more and more and so if those things again are happening in your world you know why do I procrastinate so and it's like that's what people will say to me sometimes it's like oh and I need to I need some productivity hacks and I'm like well I can give you productivity hacks but that's not your problem and they'll say oh but what do you mean and that's when it's like my boundaries are quite firm that's when I'm like you need to either do some hypnotherapy go see a healer work with a trauma specialist because this pattern yes. of behavior will keep going. Yep. And so again, yes. I'm, I can call out my women when that starts to come, but I will never take them on that journey. Cause I believe that's where things get messy. Hats get messy. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, but it's never normally the procrastination it's there's something right. underneath of it. Right. And it, it tells yes. me it's the root of it. The change isn't going to happen.
1: Yes. And I'm so glad you call that out because some people will be like, well, i procrastinate every once in a while. It's like, well, we all do. Right. And Every once in a while, yeah, we can be doing well on a diet and we're like, I just want some pizza and we'll eat the pizza in your case and you'll eat the Nutella, you know, yeah. Yeah. right? So that's not what we're talking about here, but it's when you notice that you're, you know, always procrastinating or whatever that thing is for you, things are going well, they're going good and yet. You have all the ideas, you have the plan, and you can't execute, right? That's a sign that there's something that's underneath that procrastination. Procrastination is the symptom, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the effect. It's not the cause. It's not what's causing you to not meet the deadline. There's something else, but it shows up. It manifests as procrastination. So, yes, it's it's the constantly doing whatever this this behavior is that is you know, proof, if you will, of um there's something that's
0: unresolved mm-hmm. within you. And speaking of unresolved, so my thing is, is there'll be some people out there going, oh shit, do you know what I mean? I've kind of suppressed this long enough, but you know, again, I believe once I started to do the hypnotherapy and once I started working with healers and stuff, as I say, last year, it's not coincidence that my revenue increased by almost $300,000. It generally exactly. isn't, right? Nope. It's, yep. I worked on things. Now, my question is: Is for those people who are like, "Oh shit," we've all got a little bit of trauma going on up in here. How do those individuals who are listening? How do they start the healing process? Oh, that's such a good question. Um,
1: and I do want to say this: I think that we can take ourselves on a healing journey, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I just want to put that out there: We can certainly take ourselves on the healing journey. For a number of years, I was on the healing journey by myself. Um, But it got to a point where I could no longer help myself and I had to reach out um, for for help. So the way that, you know, you can begin the the healing journey um, is is as easy or as simple as it sounds is just with an awareness Mm -hmm. of having experienced something traumatic, Mm -hmm. because what the awareness will do is it will allow you to even even if it's for like a millisecond to stop. and even ask yourself a question like, wait, where am I responding from? Like, do do I really mean that? And is, is this true about, is this a part of my identity or is, is this from the trauma? Right. And once you begin to even question like, "Mm," right, this awareness, like, Oh, that was traumatic. Then you can say, well, what, what, what do I want to do about it? Or how has it shown up in my life? Or what are my next steps going to be? Right? You can ask yourself any number of questions. So the first question is, or the first thing to, to begin healing is just to have an awareness of it. And if it feels unsafe to use the word trauma, you because know, some people have this thing about using that word trauma, mm-hmm. if it feels Unsafe to use that word? Then call it something else. You know, I just had this really bad experience, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or say, you know, oh, that wasn't a normal experience. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the first thing is just to be aware that, um, or even open to the idea that, oh, okay, I possibly could have experienced it. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second also, thing is to. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You're fine. Cool. Okay, I was just gonna say the second thing is to get a support system. That is so key when it comes to healing from traumatic experiences. And I just have to acknowledge you and say kudos to you for, um, you know, outsourcing or recommending a different service when your clients do come to you with, you know, sharing their experiences. Because the problem that I have found, because I do the trauma work with, with my clients, is they come to me um, after working with like a business coach or business strategist or some other type of coach who is not trauma sensitive or trauma informed. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh my gosh, there was this experience and, you know, they were a business coach, but then they were telling me about this mindset work and all of this stuff. And it just made me feel bad. Like, you know, made me feel worse than when I first started working with this person. So kudos to you for just being like, Hey, look, this is the problem, but I can't help you with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, if that i think if that happened more especially in the online industry or specifically the coaching industry i think that people would be more trusting of you know and open to hiring their next coach but because so many people do cross that line like with my clients i you i don't do business strategy so if you need some business strategy you you're going to need to hire somebody else cuz yes i run my business i have my mba but that's not my thing. You'd mm-hmm. need, you need another coach for that. Right. I think if every coach stood on that principle or, 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 you know, in, 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 in integrity in that way, mm-hmm. um, the coaching space would be better off. So finding a support system, that's the second thing. Mm-hmm. And there are a number of things that, that they could do. And, you know, the, the third thing is, is to understand that in finding your support system and I, and I, I separated from finding a support system because, You want to make sure that your support system is qualified to help you. And what I mean by that, like Mm -hmm. your support system can't be the person who like violated you in some kind of way, right? Like if you had, you know, an absent father, your absent father cannot be a part of your support system because They're not going to see things the way that you see them. And so you want to make sure that you find someone who is qualified. um, And usually that either, you know, a a trauma informed therapist, um, trauma sensitive coach or a hypnotherapist, right? Somebody who is and and make sure that hypnotherapist is trauma sensitive, right? Because not like not all therapists are trauma informed. There are some therapists who don't even work with trauma because they're like, it's just too hard. I can't I can't do it. Um, so make sure your support system is not someone who had, you know, was the perpetrator, if you will, mm-hmm. and also make sure that support system is not someone who ha- also has shared of their trauma. Because what could happen is you could form a trauma bond with that person, and then that can create a toxic relationship because now you're bonding over trauma and. When you do that, it makes it harder to walk away because now your focus is the trauma and not necessarily the healing. So make sure your support system is someone um, who, is, who is actually qualified. Um, I Like I said, you can do it on your own. Um, but then if you could find a coach or a therapist to work with, even better. Um, and then some more practical things. Well, I guess a therapist and a coach is practical. But other things that you can do, like sleep. Sleep is so important for our development. Um, obviously, you know, eating as close to whole foods as possible. I'm not always perfect with that. I'll be the first one to admit it. Um, but I do listen to my body, especially having had a compulsive eating disorder, um, and a food addiction. I am listen to my body. Like when my body is saying, okay, we need greens, we need fat, we need whatever it needs. You know, I give it to it. Cause I know if I don't listen to that, then I'm going to experience something that I don't necessarily want to. I may have, you know, be frustrated, disappointed, whatever it is. So, um, you know, good sleep, good hygiene practices, um, you know, relax, really do some some self-care. And I'm not just talking about massages and pedicures, like really take time to yourself
0: and reflect on where you are, what you want and and all of those things. Gosh, no, I love it. And like I said, it's what I love is you've given different options because not everyone will choose the same path, right? And that I think is so important with whether or not it's business consulting or trauma is working with someone such as yourself, Andrea, or again, I do, and this is what I, you know, we were talking this before recording is I pride myself on is is creating a customized roadmap that is based on them, their needs, their alignment, their energy, their family, And, you know, whether, again, whether it's business or trauma, it has to be customized for individuals, you know, so, you know, you can, again, just, it does, right. It's like, you need that sensitivity. You need that, whatever one-on-one you, whatever that looks like. Right. So now you often say you must lose yourself to truly find yourself. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Oh my gosh. I love that. Um, because I say that because it wasn't until I was willing to, um, let go of my beliefs, my values, my expectations, um, you know, the, my, even my, my material possessions, I had to be willing to let all of that go, right? Lose whoever I thought I was, my prestige, even my purpose, right? What I thought I was supposed to do. We have to be willing to let all of that go so we can then be, you know, naked, if you will, and then ask ourselves, okay, do I really believe this to be true, right? Right. And, and really sit with that. I know that I was taught this, um, especially for me from like, you know, I, I grew up uh, as a Christian and, you know, had all these beliefs that I was taught in church. And then as I became an adult, uh, I believed them because that's what I'm supposed to believe. And then as I began to heal myself, I asked myself, but do I really believe this about religion and Christianity? And the answer was, no, I don't. And so I detached from organized religion, not just Christianity, but any organized religion, I detached from it, right? And so, and I have so much peace in my life. And my connection to my creator and source is so much greater than it was when I was attached to organized religion. And so when I say that you have to be willing to lose yourself in order to find yourself, I mean that you have to lay it all out on the table. Those long held beliefs, those long held expectations, the, the core values that you thought you had, the purpose that you thought you were you know, driving towards and all of your goals lay it all out on the table Mm -hmm. and examine them one by one and decide if, if this is actually true for you. And some of them, you will decide, Oh, this, this is true for me. I I do believe this. or I do value this or I do have this expectation, but a lot of them you will find, I actually don't believe this and I don't think I ever did. I only believed it because my parents believed my grandparents or my teacher told me about it. Right. And so Mm -hmm. when I say that, like, that's what I mean. Uh, and, and I say it from a place of having experienced it
0: myself. And I would say, too, that, you know, in order for me to truly come back to cores, it, I had to get messy. Right. Yes. And, and I had to surrender. And there was a little bit of lostness for a while, but I had to trust. I had to trust that I would come out the other end, a better person, a better understanding of me, a better understanding of my beliefs and what was true and not true. So again, it can get messy, which leads to kind of one of our final questions before we wrap up, which is, I believe we're never fully healed. I believe we're constantly experiencing new events, new situations, and new heartache that will continue when we're 70, 80, and 90 based on situations, collective, right? Trauma. If you think about, again, another event that will happen in our world, it's bound to happen at some stage, right? Right. What are your thoughts? Are we ever fully healed? I don't believe
1: we are. I think that we are always and I actually call it like the healing journey. I believe that we are always on the healing journey because when it comes to especially because we're talking about trauma, right, we are only going to heal the things that we're ready to heal, meaning the things that we have the capacity to heal Mm. in that moment. And so there are some things that I'm actively healing right now that five years ago, I didn't have the capacity, the emotional capacity or the mental capacity to even sit with that and deal with it and see it for what it was, right? But now I do have the capacity. I've widened my window of tolerance. And so there are some memories or some experiences that are coming to me now that I can look at and cry over and grieve over and be angry about and frustrate it. I can do that now that I wouldn't have been able to do five, 10 years ago. And I also know that there are still some other things, some other traumatic experiences that I've had that I can't handle right now. It's it's too overwhelming because remember, trauma is any experience that overwhelms our resources, our mental resources, our emotional resources, our physical resources, right? And so there's some experiences that if I were to remember right now would become overwhelming and then I would be in a position of re-traumatization, right? I would be in a complete trauma response. So I believe fundamentally that we are always on the healing journey and we will continue to be healing until we take our last breath. And and if you believe in the afterlife, then until we're in the afterlife and then our healing process is, is done. But as long as we're in these physical bodies, I believe that we're always healing. And I think that's a beautiful thing because When we heal, right, we know more about ourselves. And to me, that's so empowering. So I don't mind. I've been on this healing journey for 22, almost 23 years. I don't mind being on this journey for the rest of my life. I hope to be on it for 40 or 50 years because every time I heal something, I get closer to to the me, the me who I was before all of the experiences and before the world told me who I'm supposed to be, who I should be, how I should act. Every time I heal something, then I I get closer to that version of of the me who I was and who I am supposed to be, if you will.
0: Yes. And I would also say for me, the healing has allowed me the opportunity to then pass on things that my that I wasn't privy to as a kid right, right so there. it's like yes. you know for example understanding trauma understanding the yes. inner work understanding the hypnotherapist understanding the healers yes. I mean I can guarantee you that shit wasn't having you know that wasn't over dinner we were having those conversations right what? You know, I know the other day my Chloe said to me, she said, did you see the screensaver I put on my screen? And she's only nine gosh bless her. And she said, and it was a quote is do something to make someone smile today, leave the world a better place. And it was one of those moments where like some people would be like, but to me, I was like, wow, that's a really proud moment because I'm instilling those conversations that we're having at the dinner table and things that weren't allowed at our dinner table as a child growing up. Right. And so for me, as I agree that healing journey, Allows me to not only heal myself, but heal generations to come, even if those people not not believe that it's healing generations to come. Um, because I know then that, or I would hope that my kids will be having conversations with their kids and my grandkids and so forth, right? That our generations are also only going to get better and better, which means our community and the global level is only going to get better and better.
1: I mean, because honestly, and you are so spot on because we cannot heal anybody future generations, if we don't heal ourselves Mm -hmm. and in, in healing ourselves. And I tell people this all the time that the beauty of healing is that when we heal, like individually, my healing has healed my ancestors, and then it will also heal my descendants, right? Those that come after me, they will also be healed because of the work that I'm doing. And because I'm able to see my own trauma and recognize it for what it is, when I see my children experiencing it, just like a real quick example, you were talking about like, you know, our kids and the impact of like COVID. So my daughter was in the fifth grade when when COVID happened and, you know, school year was, was cut short for everyone and so they were supposed to have like a picnic they were supposed to have a ballroom dance competition they were supposed to um go to this french village because they they attend a french immersion school and so they, they're they taught french so many things they were supposed to have like a, a graduate fifth grade graduation to go on to uh middle school what we call it mm-hmm. in the states which is sixth seventh and eighth grade which i think you're familiar with that right yeah. but maybe your listeners aren't so it's sixth seventh and eighth grade she didn't have any of that so just mm-hmm. this last year she was on the yearbook committee and the, I had the date in my calendar and then the teacher got sick and they moved it and I had something else going on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, I can't take you. You're going to have to miss it. And she said, oh my goodness. She's like, I miss everything. And then she said, I miss my fifth grade graduation. I miss going to, you know, this village. I miss going to that. Like I miss everything. And when she said that, I was like, this is if, if I the way I respond in this next moment will be the difference to whether this becomes a traumatic experience for her or whether it becomes a healing experience for her. Mm-hmm. And when I heard her say that, Ange, I went in her into her room and I grabbed her face and I said, I am so sorry that you missed out on all of that. And it doesn't seem fair. And I am, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And you know what? I'm going to move my schedule around so that you can go to this one thing. Right. Mm. And for her that then created that space where it's like, okay, like I don't miss everything. Right. But if I would have stuck to my guns, I'm the parent and I, you know, I didn't move the meeting. The teacher did. It's the teacher's fault. If I would have went that route, guess what? It would have solidified in her that I do miss out on everything. And so she would have created an attitude, a personality and a behavior Mm -hmm. around the fact that she misses out on everything, Mm -hmm. right? And so when we heal ourselves, because I'm healed, right? And I recognize a trauma response, not only because of the work that I do with my clients, my education, getting a PhD in developmental psychology, but because I'm aware of my own triggers. I saw that in her and I said, Uh uh, you're going to go to this thing. You might have missed those other things, but this yearbook thing, you're going to that. And this will not be we will not create a trauma response, a traumatic event out of her missing out on everything. So what you said about healing your children
0: and future generations is so spot on. 100%. Again, it's a work in progress, but I believe we can change the world one one healing element at a time, right? Is because again, collectively it all comes back together because everything is energy, right? So, you know, it's a knock on effect. Now, big episode for some people listening but it's an important episode. So important because we all have choice. We're all right on time. And we all have choice as to how we handle our trauma and how we equally choose to heal our trauma, your life, your responsibility is what I say, choose wisely. Now for those businesses who would love to connect with you, Andrea, how can they connect? Where can they find you?
1: Oh my gosh. It it's so funny because I've been on a quite a few podcasts lately and I used to say on Instagram and but I'm I literally deleted the apps, all the social media apps for my phone. Um, but you know what? The best place for people to find me is uh they can either go to my website, Andrea um, or they can go to the global center for trauma dot com. Uh, and that's probably, I mean, I do have these pages on, you know, Facebook and Instagram, but I'm, I'm not active there. Um, but there's like contact forms and they can learn more about me on andreamichelle.com or the global center for trauma.com.
0: Dude. I love it. I love it. I've got one final question. What do you know? What do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started off in business?
1: Oh man. Oh, that's such a good question. Why do I know now that I wished, um, you know what? I wish I had known that, even though there are people who have more experience than me in you know in their businesses, if you will, mm-hmm. I wish I had known that I still know what's best for me mm-hmm. and the vision that I have for my business and not get caught up in what everyone else is saying
0: and doing i that's, yeah. Does that make sense? 100%, 100%. Sometimes I think more often than not, we minimize what we actually know and we're influenced yes. by the external influences, right? And so yes. sometimes deleting apps from your phone and only going on to socials via desktop can be one of the most empowering mm-hmm. things because you really have to lean into trusting yourself. Yes. Trusting that you have the knowledge in you or trusting yourself that you know who or where to go to get that knowledge, right? Yes. So yes, Yes. 100%. I totally get it. Now, listen, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. So thank you so much for your time, your generosity, and just your overall awesomeness. And before I sign off, please remember that my team and I will be putting together the show notes uh, over at AngelaHenderson.com.au. We'll make sure to include all those links that you talked about, Andrea, in there. For you listening, amazing human, I hope you found this episode reflective, empowering, and like I said, awesome, because again, we can heal little bit by little bit if you choose to heal. Have a fabulous day, and I look forward to you joining me again next week for another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Have a great day, and thanks again, Andrea. You're welcome. It's my pleasure, Ange.